0: What's happening everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of crossed up. I'm Bob Wankel. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. Anthony, how about the Philadelphia Phillies? A horrible, no good, lousy, rotten game on Friday night. Maybe their worst game of the season or at least one of them. And then they bounce back with a double header sweep, a rare double header sweep of the San Diego Padres on Saturday. And another comeback win in the finale on Sunday. They beat the Padres three out of four games. Tons of heroes. Tons of really good moments. And I'm going to do something that I never do. Mm. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. At Up Phillies. At Philly. And actually, I changed my Twitter handle, Scandalous, this week. I'm actually Bob underscore Wankel. I got rid of the CB. I'm disassociating with Crossing Broad. <laughs> no, that's not true. I was actually down there covering the game yesterday for Crossing Broad, and you can read the story on the website today. But uh, yeah, I wanted to switch it up a little bit. Have some some different professional things going on here, and I wanted to kind of create a handle that was more eclectic, more far-reaching.
1: That's fair. Yeah.
0: Well, we bring you in, and uh, I want to get your reaction about what you observed, because you were down there all day Saturday. So, yeah.
1: Yes, I was.
0: Obviously, I think you're probably trending in a positive direction with this team right now.
1: Yeah, and it, you know what the thing it is of it is, Bob. It, it's fascinating because you know I don't want to start off sounding like it's it's it, I'm going to turn a positive into a negative because it's not. But the Phillies, it, it, they they're able to do something that I don't see pro sports teams do, and that's look terrible and look fantastic in the same game with regularity like they they it they start off bad and then they find that they just know how at some point to say okay now it's time to now it's time to play now it's time to win and then they just do it and they it, you know the game the both games Saturday they were losing middle of the game and then yesterday they were losing a couple times middle of the game and then even an in extra innings and then we're just like yeah no problem we got this and and they find a way to do it and and so that's why that's why when I watch this team, I look at them and say, aside from the Braves, who in baseball has this moxie? And, and I don't see it with any other team. Really, don't see it with any other team. And and I said, you know, it, it's a, it's a thing that you should really be excited about as a fan. And it's going to frustrate you at times, but it's also you're never out of a game. You're always going to be in. A, you're always going to have a shot to win a game. And you got red light players, and what I mean by that is guys who, when that camera, the red light of the camera goes on in the big spots, they come up in the big spots and they perform. Look at, I I look at Kyle Schwarber to start off with Bob, and let's—I think he's a good place to start. I know Harper gets the hit off a hater yesterday, right? That's that's great, but Kyle Schwarber's been having an absolutely dreadful season. At the plate, uh, yeah, he had the home runs, but aside from that, I mean, he's 188 or whatever the hell his lo- average has been. He's not been what you expect as a leadoff hitter. And then he comes into this series, and it's one big hit after another: game tying home run, go ahead single, another home run, another big hit yesterday, another home run yesterday, three games in a row, and then the walk off sack fly when you need him to just make contact. Like the things that he that you expect a, a, a leader to do. All of a sudden, in the midst of a terrible season, he's able to do it. No problem. And, and I think it just emanates down. And that this kind of experience matters. That they just know that they can do it. And it's, it's unreal. I don't see it anywhere else in sports like this. But this team has that innate ability to just do it. And that's why you're, you're never out of a game with the Phillies.
0: There was a point in the first game on Saturday afternoon, probably the bottom of the fifth inning, Blake Snell's just ripping through the lineup. Yeah, They were horrible on Friday night, and I'm saying to myself, here we go. This is this is what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to let the San Diego Padres back into the wild card race. You're going to take a lot of that goodwill that you generated through the month of, of June and the, in the early part of July, and you're basically just going to light that on fire. And then you you wait. And I think one of the things that we have to do is sort of, and I guess this applies to a lot of sports, a lot of teams. It, it's not over until it's over, right? We, we know that old saying. But there's this thing with the Phillies where you you almost, your eyes betray you when you watch the Phillies because you look at them and you say, here we go. They're laying down. There's no juice for this. How are they letting this happen again? And and you want to criticize everything they do until they get it done and then you almost want to just say yeah you know what i'm just gonna give up i'm I'm just gonna let it ride out to the final out i'm i'm not going to have any takes like you know you and i and and people like us like we have to give takes during a game sometimes we how many times can you i think we're fairly measured but how many times can you you think you know something when you watch this team play and then 20 minutes later, you're like, I'm an idiot. You know, I'm wrong. I, I... Forget the, what I just watched for the last 14 hours because something just happened in the last six minutes that flipped it on its head. Yeah, And, and that's really what you're seeing. And that is the, the vibe right now. They get down early yesterday even. And this is when you know things are going well. They're down 3-0. They're not hitting, and you're like, they're going to split. They might split. But yesterday, I kind of felt like in the middle of that game, they're going to get to this guy like they're they're going to get back into this game and and they did and like that's where they're at right now a three-run deficit's nothing i mean they trailed in every single game of this series and in the final three it it didn't matter and it kind of I, i want to get back to something we started talking about on friday so urgency. I think it's a word that we used on the show. Uh, I did a a hit with uh, uh, Kevin Cooney yesterday uh, on 97.5 before the game, and he brought up the the idea of, you know, they went to Christopher Sanchez to to start this series. Some of the lineup decisions with the extra rest built in. Does this team, the, the, the urgency question is something that we've talked a lot about, whether it's how they began the season, how they, they they build in the extra rest, I'm, I'm at the point where I think I'm, I'm willing to start to give the Phillies the benefit of the doubt. Because, like, we looked at this and we said, Sanchez, out of the All-Star break, huh? Like, no Aaron Nola in this first series. And then you look at that Game 1 lineup with the Drew Ellis's of the world, and Stott's not hitting against Snell, even though he's hitting over 300 against left-handed pitching. And people see the lineup and they're going crazy. They're like, I can't believe this. But then... Stock comes in late in the game, contributes to a comeback win, two hits in the nightcap. Bryce Harper doesn't play against Snell in the first game. I know he didn't exactly square one up late in game one on Saturday, but hustles down the line, beats a throw. He's right in the middle of the comeback. He's his first home run in 51 days Saturday night, two more hits yesterday. I don't know, man. Like, Zach Wheeler gets the extra rest. He had a 6.61 ERA in his three previous starts. He was really good yesterday. Pitches th- through seven innings, three three earned, only allowed five total base runners. Now you got Aaron Nola starting game one, and and maybe you give him the reset that he needed. I don't know. They're 26 and 12 since June one. I, there's a reasonable path that this team ends up with the second best record in the National League when it's all said and done. Like that's not insane to think at this point.
1: No no it's at not. I,
0: I, we, at what point cuz I feel it I get fans. Like I understand yeah. I'm like Drew Ellis are we, are we are we seriously fucking doing Drew Ellis here? <laughs> but but then they went 3 out of 4 and you're like you can't sometimes it's like you just can't argue with results and they're getting them right now.
1: Yeah, they do. They find a way, Bob. And again, it's 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 a unique way because I don't think that this kind of thing would happen with any other team in baseball, even in 2023. Like, I don't want to sit there and say, oh, well, it's, this, is, this is the new school mentality, and we, we think a little bit more, you know, the way baseball has always been done, and the Phillies do it differently. And it, I don't think that this kind of setup works with other teams. I think this is a very unique situation with the, this Phillies team. But I will say this. I think the most important portion of this four-game series it's maybe something that's going to get lost in time. Um, but I think I want to just highlight it here so that we have it, you know, for posterity's sake. <laughs> the ninth inning on Friday night was the most important part of this series. Yes, they lose the game eight to three, but they forced San Diego to throw Josh Hader in that game. They had a ninth, they rallied a little bit in the ninth inning. They had the tying run on deck, right? I mean, so they. Put San Diego in a position that they had to put Hater in. Well, Hater wasn't going to pitch on Saturday, and I think that you were able to get the rest of the Padres bullpen. Frankly, stinks. Uh, really, when you're throwing Nick Martinez three days in a row, what does that tell you about yeah. your bullpen, right? I um, so, I believe that that was the victory that that created the series victory by doing that. It's like I said, lost lost in time. You know, because it's just a one inning of a five run loss but the fact that they had a get, they got him into that game changed the padres dynamic over the course of the next 3 days 3 games in in 24 hours we're all, a little bit longer than that because of the rain delay but um and and I think that that's what really helped the phillies be able to pull out this series cuz let's be fair bob they could have lost all four games right i mean they, the way they played sure. they could have lost all four games and end up winning three out of four and i think that that changed the dynamic of the series and yeah yesterday of course you know for the first five innings seth lugo was pitching like greg maddox and then all of a sudden it was like oh okay we're facing seth lugo oh okay all right now yeah, we're, we're good now you know uh, but so but i think that that's a little moment i wanted to add in there that i think that that was kind of a crucial thing that kind of switched the, the way things would go in this series
0: can i tell you what i thought the most important thing i saw all weekend was bryce harper six for 13 yeah few doubles a home run pair of walks three runs batted in. And don't overlook the fact that he had a moment on on Sunday. Like we've we've talked a lot about his numbers and hey, kudos to him for for keeping things together and he's he's had some some important hits, but there's been some fluff here too, right? Mm-hmm. For him to get that hit against Hater, because it looks like the Phillies pissed away that game yesterday in the ninth inning. Like they, you know, there's a runner on third, two outs. It looks like they missed their opportunity more or less. Hater blows the doors off of Schwarber. They don't move the runner to third with less than two outs. You know, Turner moves them along, but who cares at that point? And then Harper stays middle, gets the base hit, ties the game. And it was pointed out to me by by, I guess, someone that that knows some things. And they said, don't overlook the importance of bryce harper being the player that delivered that hit yeah. that not just that they tied the game not that they just went on to win the game but it was that bryce harper did it and it's interesting that this point was made to me because i think it circles back to something that we've talked about a couple times on this show bryce harper's visible frustration yeah and here he is, you, you saw, like, I, I felt like I, I was watching a different player, a, a relaxed player yesterday, one that we haven't seen a ton of this season. Like, did you see where Harper gets the double, right? And Turner he's, goes first to third.
1: He's chastising Turner. And he's, yeah. he's
0: talking with him about being 30 and saying, like, you didn't score on that, man. Yeah. Like, and he, <laughs> like, he's having fun. And then, and then that's before he delivers this this game-tying hit in the ninth. I think there's something to be said for your best players being the guys that deliver. It's, it's great when the, the Bryson Stotts and the Alec bohms, you need those, those secondary guys to be contributors. There's no question about it, but when your best dudes are the ones that are delivering in those key moments, I, I think that that can, and, and as it was told to me as a, from a former player, that that has a, a different ability to elevate what you do moving forward.
1: I think you're spot on with this, Bob, because he was the one guy, even during the, the stretch from the beginning of June when they were playing as great baseball as they were playing, that you just didn't feel like he felt as if he was really part of it. Of course, like we said, he was contributing. He was getting on base. He was finding small ways to help. But he wasn't Bryce Harper. He wasn't the guy, which is who he's supposed to be with the Phillies. This weekend, he was the guy. I mean, it, yeah, him and Schwarber. I mean, both of them. You know that they, they they did what they were supposed to do. And yes, I think that you you get an engaged Bryce Harper. You get a you get a Harper who who's Bought into everything that the team's doing and, and playing the way he wants to play, and he's not throwing his helmet and, you know, in disgust or walking down the tunnel and missing three innings because he's so mad at himself, dwelling on one at bat. Um, y- y- you know, you get that guy, <laughs> sky's the limit. And I, I put a tweet out about it on Saturday. Like when this offense does these things where they go hit, 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 I mean, just in the, you just pass in the bat, they're, they're, they're unstoppable. They really are. It's it could be what we all thought it was going to be. The you know one of the best lineups in the in the sport, um, because then you got guys like you, you're mentioning your stots and your and your Booms and and Brandon Marsh who had a hell of a game yesterday yeah. by the way. Um, th- those guys, if the bottom are they're your bottom of the lineup, right? So you got guys who have been contributing all year, maybe not as a superstar level, but at a pretty good at a pretty good level at the. At six through nine, because one through five is is superstars. Like, what do you? How do you pitch this team? How do you beat the Phillies? Like, I, like, I, that, I'm really, I'm really high on this team. And maybe Bob, right now, and you know, I've been, you know, I picked them to win ninety games. I said that I th- think that they're the second best team in the National League, and I still, I still think that. But I'm probably more confident today about this Phillies team than I even was a month ago. Or at the beginning of the season, like there's just something about them that they have an it factor, and you feel it—the vibe in that locker room, locker room, and and there's just—I don't know—I'm—I—I'm I, going to be that guy who's telling everybody, just wait for, just wait for the end of the season. Like this team's, this team's poised yet again.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm with you, and it's it's hard not to feel good about where they're at right now. Although ironically, they, they win three out of four this weekend, and they still have not actually gotten back into a spot where they hold a playoff position right now. It's yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? Like they they went through that June surge, they didn't get into playoff position, then they finally do, and they cool down a little bit, and then that's when they finally they get over the hump. And then they get hot again this weekend and they still kick. It's just been so weird watching them try to press up against this. But what they've also done in the process is, although they don't hold one of those wild card spots right now, the gap between the top spot and being on the outside looking in is, is it's gone. I mean, that, that spread has evaporated. Essentially you look right now, San Francisco, uh, holds the, the top spot 11 games over 500 Phillies, nine games over 500. So, I mean, they, they're, they're a game out of, of being the top spot in the wild card at this point. And that race is getting tight. And it was a tough, tough weekend for the Miami Marlins. And I think, again, it, it just kind of goes back to like, we can't have that NFL mentality when you assess this stuff because you leave Miami last weekend and you go see, you missed a golden opportunity to, to shrink the lead there. Why can't you beat this Marlins team? This is concerning. Is this a red flag? What does this mean moving forward? And then, you know, Miami comes out and they get their their brains beaten in by the Orioles and the Phillies pick up two and a half games this weekend. So,
1: yeah, and I think, Bob, and we we've discussed this. We don't have to go over it again. I mean, we talked about how difficult the Marlins and the Giants schedules are in August. It's going to be interesting to see if they maintain their. Where they are in the standings at the moment, and and Arizona, I think we're you know the pitching staff that they don't have is finally catching up to them. Arizona
0: two and eight in their last ten. And did you see who they have this week?
1: Yeah, I know it's it's a mess. I mean they're they're so to me right now it's a five team race for uh, for three wild card spots at the current moment. So it would be the Giants, the Marlins, and the Diamondbacks are in those spots. The Phillies, and then whoever's the second place team currently right now, the Reds. Whoever's the second place team in the Central. Um, and the Reds have some some issues right now with pitching themselves. Was
0: was that a sobering weekend for the Cincinnati Reds? Was that like a comeback-to-earth moment, or is that just a a temporary blip on the –
1: Well, I think so. I think – I mean, I think they're still going to be in a – I think they're going to be a competitive team. I think they're going to be in this race. But I'll tell you, the team we just saw the Phillies beat, they're not dead. They didn't bury the Padres. The Padres are – I mean, yes, they're eight games out of the wild card. I think they're seven and a half out of the last wild card spot. But – The Padres are a team, uh, if they can add a couple of bullpen arms and maybe, maybe one more bat to their lineup, they can make up this ground. You
0: you think that they add at this point, like they have to do something over the next two weeks though, right? They have to make a move back to, to being five games. I know they're probably looking at teams like the giants feeling like we can get them. We can bridge that gap. We don't trust the Marlins, especially with their schedule. You see what's happening to Arizona. There's probably some feeling like we can get back into this, but man, that was a brutal loss yesterday. If they would have gotten out of Philadelphia with a series split, I think you'd feel a lot better about the Padres right now. But it felt like, man, this is an opportunity to, to win a game. They had that game won. They couldn't do it with their best reliever on the mound, lefty lefty, and it, that's a tough series to lose. And I do wonder if they're like two more weeks away from spinning their wheels, where they just say, you know what, we're so expensive, we can't do it. We've got to strip this down and, and try again next year. I, I just, I wonder.
1: Yeah, I, you can you can maybe think that way, and you know, th- their their schedule is not getting any easier. I mean, you got they're still on the road, right? They gotta go to Toronto, who's been playing better. And then Detroit, who's really been playing better. I mean, there's you want to talk about a team that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. The Tigers are back in the AL Central race, which is I know it's a, I know it's a shitty division, but I mean they've been playing really good baseball of late. So it yeah, get to be honest, you know, the Padres schedule is not not easy. Um but I just think you just see some of those guys who maybe got off to slower starts or starting to play some good ball. Machado had a good weekend. Um, you could see what Bo- Bogarts has, has been coming around slowly but surely over the course of time. Freaking Trent Grisham killed the Phillies. I mean, this weekend right. absolutely killed the Phillies with the, at, at the plate. And so, you know, if he starts hitting a little bit more, and then you got you know Tatis who's been having a great year for them, and um, and Soto. Who's got an OPS over nine hundred? So, like that lineup is just too good to me to, to be dead at this point. I think that there's still a path back for them, and in the end, it would not. So, so but my the whole genesis of what I started this mentioning these other teams for was of the of the what you look at as a five team race currently, the Phillies are the best team of those five teams, and and it's not even in my head it's not close, and I think that they will separate themselves from the other four over the course of the next month. Okay the question then becomes what happens behind them. And I think that if there's anybody below that five group who can sneak into it, it's the Padres. I don't think like, you know, the Mets are what a half game behind the Padres. I don't, it's not happening for them, but I do think that, I do think there's a difference. I think the Padres are a team that has the talent and it has been coming a little bit better for the last few weeks. Whereas the Mets are just not there. And I don't think the Cubs, I think the Cubs are going to sell. So I don't think the Cubs are part of it either. They're the other, they're the three teams that are the next tier down.
0: So there are a lot of good things to talk about. And like, there's almost like these like little random like bullet points I would want to hit on. And, and like, it's, it's not worth like diving into with, with a ton of depth here. But like, hey, Bryson Stott, good weekend, man. Like, yes. just, it just continues to impress. So solid, steady lefty, righty. He just finds ways. He grinds through a bats. It's really been impressive to watch. And like, I don't want to overlook that. I just don't know where to even slide it into this show, but it's not all good. Like, you know, I don't, They didn't play great baseball this week, and they were resilient. They had some timely hits. JT Romuto, who's really struggled with runners in scoring position, it feels like right now there's one guy that you don't want up in a key spot. It feels like it's JT Romuto. He's he's really been an inning killer more often than not this season. He's had his little stretches that have pumped up his numbers and probably make his season look better overall than it really has been, I -hmm. think. Is that fair to say? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is fair to say he's, Again, had, he's had he's had three stretches, Bob, this season of like six or seven games where he's been excellent, and then the rest of the season he's been disappointing. So you really want to look at. It, I mean, so you say you know they've they've played what? How many games have they played now? Ninety one, ninety whatever it is, whatever number of games. He's probably had a, a stretch two, three stretches combined, at probably fifteen games where he's been fantastic, and the other 60, 70, Games seventy two games seventy five whatever the freaking number is, he's been not been good,
0: and he's been good defensively until he, he wasn't yesterday. Late past late past that, ball, right? ball was just it was an absolute killer, or could have been a killer. But he comes up yesterday in a big spot and and entering play Sunday one eighty two batting average with a five seventy three OPS runners in scoring position. So it was a nice moment to see him hook one down the line give the Phillies the lead at that point. Like that was a big hit for him, I think. And and these are the things where, again, you talk about your leaders, your, your big name players delivering in big spots, and you, you kind of, you start to think to yourself, okay, maybe this gets this guy going, maybe. So there's a lot of that. And, and I do want to actually talk about Trey Turner specifically, but I, I want to bounce around to some things I am a little bit concerned about because like it would be, it would be foolish to sit here and say, wow, this was a great weekend a totally awesome baseball start to finish. There are some things that I'm kind of going like, Oh boy. And some of them I don't think are quite as important as others. So in a moment, I want to talk about Derek Hall and I want to talk about Drew Ellis. And I want to talk about some of the the pieces at the bottom of this roster because there's some issues here. But the first thing I want to talk about is what we have kind of identified as a strength of this team all season long. We, I think it was last Monday said, Hey, these injuries could make things interesting with this bullpen Mm -hmm. and they have made things interesting with this bullpen. Now you get the, the, the two innings from Hoffman yesterday,
1: which was excellent he was excellent
0: he's been and he's been really good Uh, I think it was uh, Corey Seidman who tweeted out that he's made five multi-inning appearances this season and all of them have been scoreless and and they don't win yesterday without him there's no question about it so there's there were some good things that happened in that bullpen yesterday there's also some bad things that happened and you're seeing here I, I think Anytime you take two of your top relievers out of the mix for an extended period of time, there's going to be ramifications to that. And when you look at what you have in terms of remaining parts, you need those guys to step up. And right now you look at Gregory Soto, who was given that eighth inning yesterday and he he lit it on fire. And now you look at Gregory Soto in July, he's made four appearances. He has a 92 ERA, three and two thirds innings pitched. a a ton of base runners. I mean, he's given up seven hits. He's walked two. it's just like, all of a sudden, are we kind of holding our breath with everybody? That's not Craig Kimbrell here. Like has the Phillies depth and versatility and flexibility in the bullpen been reduced to hold your breath and get it to the ninth.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair point because it, you know, these guys have not been as good as they were a month ago. Let's just say, Um, but I will still take, the, the 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 bigger picture look and say you know i think it's since april 16th they have the best er bullpen era in baseball by a half a run like i think they're three one six and the next closest is san francisco at three six six or something I, so like but
0: i agree with that but like that bullpen is not the bullpen right now currently
1: i and i get it and and look you're gonna get dominguez back soon i know he wasn't fantastic beforehand But I mean, he's going to he changes the dynamic of who who's in what role. And I do believe, Bob, you know, I think I said this in the last episode. I think that they're going to add there. So do I at the deadline. I I I don't
0: think think Jose Alvarado is going to be back for a while. I I mean, I I don't. You got August 15th over under. What do you got? (laughs)
1: Uh, september 1st is what yeah, i think i don't
0: think you'll see him in august
1: i think they're going to protect him i mean even if he feels healthy enough i think that it's going to be like look we had this issue crop up twice yeah we want you for october let's let's get you geared up for october and i think that that's really the plan there um so i do think i, I do think you're going to see at least one addition if not two additions to the bullpen um, before the deadline, so uh, yeah, I, you know, are there little concerns there? I think so. You know, I think there's a little bit. You know, um, you know, even Strom gives up the when he gave up the home run when he came, but other than that, I thought he pitched well. Yeah. You know, he gives up the solo homer, but he pitched I thought he pitched well. So I think that there's, yeah, I think that you can look at it and say maybe, but I also think that on the whole, they have enough depth to to, to not have it become a, a major problem. And I think that they're going to be creative enough at the deadline to, to make it even uh, an even stronger unit.
0: Were you ready. surprised in the
1: eighth inning yesterday
0: that Soto got Tatis? Like, yes, you, they
1: like, weren't ready for it.
0: Why wasn't so Marte. they were caught off guard by that that the, the San Diego even went to him, right? Like yes. that that was what a surprise to them because to me, like, how do you not have like so? I'm going to write something today on the site. That's basically like, maybe it's time to start giving Rob Thompson and the Phillies a benefit of the doubt. And it deals a lot with the lineup construction and the days off for different players. It's working. Like I see fire Thompson. This guy's an idiot. That's why he's a career bench manager. I mean, people are brutal online and I know Twitter's not the real world and all that, but like, there's a lot of negativity. I think about some of the Phillies decision-making and I think it's kind of unfair. Some of it, to be honest with you, but Yesterday I'm watching this game and I, I thought Rob Thompson was terrible in game yesterday. I, I I was like asleep at the wheel almost. Um, and I'm I've been very pro Rob Thompson. Like I think from a cultural standpoint, the way that players respond to him, I think that what they do sometimes it puts players in the best position to be successful long term, and you see the fruit of that mm-hmm. in the long run. But yesterday, like in the moment, I'm like, I don't understand anything that he's doing here. It's clear that Soto didn't have it. And it's, I just don't know how you get caught off guard there. Like Marte has to be up sooner so that he can get that that Tatis matchup. That should not have happened yesterday.
1: I agree. And- I that, that that's the one yesterday that really sticks out. And because I do the same thing as you, Bob, I, I find myself at games saying to myself, I wouldn't have made that decision. I wouldn't have done that. But then again, I then I after a day, I can able, you know, I look back at it and, you know looking at it from a bigger picture at that point i sit there and go okay yeah if i was managing in a vacuum i would have done it the way i would have done it but right. managing the the way that the phillies are looking at it from a more holistic big picture viewpoint they 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 always have an eye on tomorrow sure and sometimes we sit there and go so you're punting like you're just giving this game up and they did it this. They did it Friday. I mean, we talked about this, to, you know, via text, and I wrote. I even wrote about it that they were they were punting Friday, by going with you know, not your best guys out of the bullpen coming off of the break, and it set them up for more success Saturday and Sunday. So ultimately, they end up winning three out of four. I won't say it's because of the bullpen. Um, they hit. But at the same time, you can see why they were doing – now you go back and look at all four games, you can see why they were doing it. The one exception in my head is exactly what you just said. You, obviously, Soto's not on his best game. You, you should keep in mind, even though they said Tatis is you know dealing with this injury, he's not in the lineup, whatever, you have to in the back of your head think if the Padres get into a position where they need a big hit or whatever – He's avail. He's going to be available, especially if it's a home run. He's going to be available. You have to have somebody to to face him. And, 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 and it I can
0: for like Soto's our best arm in this spot. This is what he's he's the setup guy in this current construction. Had he been throwing the ball well, I like I could have. It's it's not like he mowed through the first two guys and then they send up. To to try to tie the game with one swing, and he's on point and he's dotting the corners and stuff. I mean, he didn't have it yesterday. It was yeah. A mess.
1: yeah, and I, I and I know you mentioned Marte, and that's who eventually came in, right? So, and that's fine. I I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had a problem if Marte was the guy who was ready to come in and whatever. But in my mind, in my head, again, this is me thinking. You you have to have Kimbrel ready in that spot. I,
0: so this came up a lot, and I I don't want to dismiss that because I'm sure people are listening and saying, well. Really like Marte, is that the guy that you're like, oh, all... yeah. but that's what they're treating him. Like, I mean, he has a sub two ERA since he's been up here. Right. He's been recalled. So he's been getting these higher leverage spots and he's been pretty good in them. The thing with Kimbrell, you can tell the Phillies are deathly afraid of the the up down with him. They don't yeah. they don't want to use him across multiple innings. I mean, he didn't even throw a lot in the ninth yesterday, and they just were like, "Okay, thanks, Craig. We'll see you Tuesday." Yeah, they don't want to go with the up down with him, and it's it's you talk about eye on tomorrow. There's not a ton of like all inness in terms of how they utilize Craig Kimbrell. and again, he pitches Saturday back to back days, and I think the back to back days. And then the up down is what they were really like, we're just not doing it. We're not gonna yeah. do it.
1: But but to me, to me, and this is where we have this you know, philosophical dilemma with baseball. If that spot calls for your best pitcher, then you go to your best pitcher and you worry about the next inning, the next inning. Right. Like if you have to bring it, if, if Kimbrell comes in and gets Tatis, let's say it's Kimbrell, let's just for example, and he comes in and he faces Tatis and he gets him. And, that, and then he's done for the day. Okay, fine. Then I'm going to say, Junior, go get your second second career save. Or hey, you know, Hoffman's been thrown well. Let's have him ready to roll in the in the, in the you know in the tenth or whatever whatever the situation or the ninth whatever the situation might be. So I, I think that you you in my mind I would always default to going to the best arm in a, in that key spot. The Phillies chose not to, and it almost cost them.
0: The other move that I did not understand—I mean, I, I do. Like, so here's the thing: you get into the sixth inning yesterday, the Phillies get on that rally, yeah. and the San Diego goes to Cosgrove, who quite literally had a meltdown. Like, I don't know if you saw him after the like—that was yeah. weird. Um,
1: Punching himself I, in the head? You mean? I don't
0: want to even like make light of that. Like, I—it yeah. was kind of funny when you first saw it, but I have no idea. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what the hell's going on there. So whatever. Yeah. But. They get the lead, and they're rolling. And they go to Ellis. They they let Ellis take the at bat. He walks, obviously. And I can go for that. I can go well, for Ellis.
1: He does walk a lot. The one thing yeah. about Ellis is he he's got a great eye. So I mean, I was cool with keeping Ellis in there too.
0: Yeah, like and and again, you're talking lefty righty. That that all makes sense to me. You have an opportunity though, up five three. With Alec Boehm, your, your best RBI producer on the team, sitting on the bench, it's a good matchup for him. You, you more or less have the opportunity to deliver the knockout blow at that point. You even get to 6-3. They, they probably are all right. He gets a hit there. 7-3, they bust the game open, and, and you're home early. You're not playing the 10th, 11th, and 12th, right? But they, they let Derek Hall take that at bat. And unsurprisingly he strikes out and he strikes out on a two, two pitch. It was about four feet off the plate. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible at bat. It was a horrible at bat. And what's been a run of horrible at bats for Derek Hall. Are you surprised? Cause I was like, I thought that that was an opportunity to use Bohm and, and kind of just break the game open. And then, to use them later in the game, because I, I said to myself, okay, I'm not going to kill this move in the moment because clearly, you know, obviously Boehm was dinged up a little bit on Saturday night. They wanted to give him a day off. He played both games of the doubleheader. It was a hot day. It looked like there was something going on lower body late Saturday. So like, hey, we want to keep him off his feet Sunday, no problem. But then they go to him later in the game. And I'm like, well, Jesus Christ, if you're going to go to the guy. Go to
1: and I think that that was the. Th- so I think that's the thing, Bob. And I, I think that the plan was let's la- not let either him or Castellanos have to hit at all. We'll this give them complete days off, um, and then you combine it with that spot in the lineup could come up again, and this game situation might be different. And so maybe at that point is when we're like, okay, now we're going to turn to you, Alec, right? Um, which is exactly what ended up happening, and that's what they did. So I'm, I'm not gonna kill them as much for that. Because I mean Derek Hall should not be I'm not saying team. it
0: was a fireable offense. Yeah, I'm just no, no, saying but, that like if you're not I,
1: gonna use them, then don't use them. Like that, I that's understand, why I understand why he doesn't use him in the sixth. Look, if it's a tie game, then I then I then I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? You gotta win the game. But you just went up, you just took the lead, you're up two runs, you're confident in your bullpen. We're like, okay, you know, this is still only the sixth inning, the spot could come up again. Let's still, you know, we have the opportunity of saving Bone. Maybe he doesn't have to come in the game, or if we need him later, he's still an an option for us later. So I'm I'm okay with the decision. Let me just flip it around. Let me just just play devil's advocate because I do understand what you're saying.
0: Like that's not an unreasonable premise, and I I know that that's what they were thinking. But we talk about using your best relievers in the highest leverage spots. Like this is an opportunity. If you if you Mm -hmm. think that there's a possibility that you're going to need this guy, use him in the highest leverage spot because you end the game there. No, I, mean, well, you
1: I, I don't think I don't think your your argument is is faulty uh, it's not it's it it's perfectly acceptable i think but again, within the framework of the fact that they already had the two run lead, yeah if like i said if it was three three you know, they hadn't taken the lead. I'm like, then I'm with you. Then I'm like, oh, come on. What do you, why is this guy even, like, I don't, because, you know, I don't even think Derek Hall belongs on the team, let alone, <laughs> alone up in a spot with the bases loaded and a chance to put the game away, right? Um, but I think once they took the lead, I think that gives them the leeway a little bit to to not pinch hit form in the sixth inning.
0: Well, as is often the case, managerial decisions get picked apart and tweaked apart because something wrong or something went wrong, something bad happened. And the reason something bad happened is because Derek Hall right now is just not, he's not a major league baseball player. Now, I'm not telling you that this is what it is with him, Mm -hmm. that he he can't be productive, that he may ultimately uh, not, you know, it could work out. I I just right now, though, where this team's at, I just don't see the fit here. It makes no sense to me uh Bryce Harper will play first base at some point that's the the way this has been reported he will play first base at some point this week and once he does that I just Derek Hall cannot be up here anymore I mean his at-bats have just been god-awful and I know he, it. sometimes it takes takes guys a little bit of time I'm sure that he's feeling a lot of pressure he probably knows that he's he's got to do it right now there's only a limited opportunity here pressing all of that stuff but I mean He's hitting 174 right now with a 208 on-base percentage. He's utterly – I mean, you could put a scarecrow in the left-handed batter's box against a left-handed pitcher and and have a better chance of getting on-base right now because maybe he'll get hit or not swing the bat and chase something out of the zone. I mean, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but, like, he's just – he can't hit lefties. So – what are they doing here? Because then you look down, and you're like, oh, Cody Clemens. Like, Cody Clemens was so good for them. Or, you know, he was a contributor, and at least he can play defense. Because Derek Hall's
1: defense has been just terrible. Yeah, two errors. Two on, errors. Easy, on, on easy ground balls.
0: Routine plays. But then you look and you're like, oh, Cody Clemens is hitting 260 with Lehigh and has a 600 OPS. Like, that's not exactly lighting the world on fire. Jake Cave continues to hit. Like, what are they – What are they going to do here? Because right now, I can make an argument that there are three guys on the Lehigh Valley roster that might be better options than what they have up here between Drew Ellis and Drew Ellis almost ending Zach Wheeler's season yesterday on that,
1: (laughs) yeah,
0: that bump pop up, uh, and and Derek Hall. I mean, they they've got some work to do at the bottom of this roster.
1: Well, I think, and I think that that's also going to be something that's addressed at the trade deadline as well. But, um. I think with the the short term solution, at least until the deadline, and you know, and see what happens, is you replace Hall with Cave. I think that's the I think that's what you do. Cave deserves deserves the call up after the season he's had at Lehigh Valley. Um, and I know you sit there and say, "Well, that's just that's yet another outfielder," um, but I'd rather him as your left handed pinch hit option than Derek Hall. And if you are going to play Harper at first, and I know Thompson said they're not going to play him there every day, he's going to DH. He says we're probably going to start slow where it's going to be he plays and then he DHs the next game. And then the next time out, he'll play two in a row and then he DHs again. Yeah. So, like, they're, they're not going to automatically, you know, play Harper at first base every game. But I don't think it's long before you get to that point where he's the regular first baseman. Um, so, if I'm looking at this Brewer series, when they said he said that that's when he's going to make an appearance, I have a feeling that the, the Wednesday night game, is the night Bryce Harper plays first base. Left-handed pitcher on the mound, so you can put uh, Rojas in center field, feel comfortable with him playing against a, a lefty, um, and you probably o- are okay with Marsh on one of the corners and Schwarber at DH. Harper plays first base that game. And then I think the two other games against the Brewers, you're probably sticking with Harper in a DH spot. Um, but i I, I get Jake Cave in there. I just I just do. I just get him up here. He, you know, maybe he plays, maybe, maybe he plays one of the games. I, you give, give somebody a rest. I don't know. Uh, he's got to be up here at the very least to improve the bench yeah. possibilities.
0: I'm with you. And are we not the worst 40 minutes into the show? I think that's the first time we said the name Johan Rojas and he was the story of the day on Saturday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was unbelievable. Saturday was the coolest thing ever, man, with him.
0: Yeah. Uh, that talk about a, a first impression uh, right off the bat yeah. to the fence, turn, spin, throw, uh, and then what three hits in the in the game Saturday night too. So it was a really impressive debut from him. I don't I don't know what he is. I, I think he's he's probably what you saw in the weekend entirety, like not a great bat that's like super major league ready at the moment, but just from an athletic standpoint, from the defensive standpoint, energy, like what a nice add. Because even if he doesn't hit to the degree that you would love to see there's a lot of things that he can do to help you win games. He gets a bunt down yesterday that helps mm-hmm. them win the game. Like he's a, a, a guy that they have this team. I think at times can look a little bit lethargic, a little bit sleepy, a little bit old, I, I think is fair to say. Yeah. And, and kind of getting that infusion of somebody that can come in and, and have superior athleticism and a little electricity, I think is, is a really good compliment to what they have right now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I did this story about him, um, Relating it to Castellanos. And it's funny because I, re- I remember when I was down in spring training, and that was this is what the whole genesis of the story was. I remember there was a day that I was waiting to talk to Nick in spring training. You know, I was, wor- was working on that spring training story on him about, you know, how he had changed his approach in the offseason and everything was going to be different this year. And uh, while I'm sitting there waiting, it's like it was, it was Nick and Rojas. And that was the conversation that was going on in the clubhouse for. 30 minutes like no one else around just the two of them and rojas sitting there like a little kid right with cross-legged on the floor and just (laughs) you know picking castellanos brain and it was all baseball like i mean it was all like i didn't hear the entirety of the conversation but everything was about baseball wasn't just like some bs conversation it was rojas was really trying to you know take all this stuff in because he wanted to try and make it to the majors and then of course he gets up here and like you know Nick's next to him in the outfield and he makes that great play and Nick gives him the big hug and, you know, smacks him in the chest. But I asked, I got, so I went over to Cassianus afterwards just to do that little one-on-one and get a couple quotes for that story. And one of the questions I asked him, which I did not include this quote um, just because it didn't fit the story so much, but uh, it's exactly what you just said. I said, you know, does a kid who has that kind of exuberance and excitement, and, you know, just love of the sport when they come in and perform, does that kind of lift a locker room? You know, does that change spirits a little bit? And he said, he said, in most cases, it does. he, He said, your question is not off base. He says, it absolutely does. He said, the only thing I would say is that with this team, we go about things in such a way that we're never down. Like, he, right. you know, we might get frustrated at times, whatever he's, but we never are like, man, we missed that spark in this clubhouse. we just know how to go as a veteran team. He said, but he said, don't, don't take that as it doesn't help us to have a kid like this come in. It's, but you know, this is, this is great. It's a great thing to add into the mixture. So yeah, I mean, that was a really cool thing. And, and the only thing Bob is, is that I think that he's here and, I mean, obviously he's here to replace Pache, who's got that getting the screw removed today from his elbow. Um, I do think he'll be back in by September as well. Um, but at the same time, I also think Rojas is here to be like to show other teams that he can play in the majors and potentially be part of a trade deadline. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> part of the yeah. Trade I don't though, know that anyway. that's
0: absolutely what what's going to happen here, but I do yeah. think that there's a a secondary benefit to this, where yes. it's like, hey, yeah, I mean, he can help us right now, but also. We have a lot of, as we said last week, there's a, a four of their top 10 prospects right now are outfielders. You had mentioned that they had invested quite a bit of draft capital this past year, uh, last week in, in adding outfielders to the mix. So yeah, I, mean, I think that that's certainly still on the table if a team likes him enough and they get a meaningful piece in return. Uh, there's no question. Now I know we're a little short on time here. I do want to hit you with a uh, two uh, quick little things. Uh, just one Impression of Trey Turner this week, and I know he started uh, the series on Friday night 0 for 5, and it was kind of the same old stuff. Uh, brutal play uh, early in the game on Saturday. Cost the Phillies three runs. If I were Ranger Suarez, I would not have been really thrilled about that. Cost him three earned runs to his his line, at least for now. Um you know, and but then he bounces back, does some things late in the game on, on Saturday. Big hit, uh, in the first game, contributes Saturday night. Decent game yesterday. Nice play late defensively. Can like I, I would love to tell you, like, okay, that was a great first step for Trey Turner in the second half to turning things around. But we've been here before with him where some good happens and you think that he's going to sustain it and then it, it doesn't happen. But like any other. Anything else on Trey Turner?
1: Yeah, I mean, I just think that I think that you have to take – I mean, he he said in the story – I don't know if you read Scott Lauber's story over the weekend um, where he basically said baseball's kicking his ass right now and he's having a hard time figuring it out at the moment. So if that's the case and then he comes out and has a weekend where, you know, I think he reached base, what, eight times total in the three games, Saturday and Sunday? Um, and, and like you said, he made like, – I mean, you know, he, he had that goofy defensive play where he flipped the ball behind his back for some unknown reason. He also got picked off of first base. Yeah. Um, but he did steal three more bases this week. Right. So, like, there's a lot of – there was some good and some bad, but I'll take the good. Yeah. I'll take the good. I think he made some good plays in the field. Um, Like you said, you mentioned that uh, when we infield in, catching that line drive to hold the runner at third. You get on base eight times in three games. That's important, you know. Um, and so you, you got to hope that that keeps going in that direction. Look, I don't need Trey Turner to be at this point. I mean, if, he doesn't have to just suddenly find the MVP form that we thought he was going to have coming into the season. But if Trey Turner can, can be some, better than he was in the first half, get on base, make things happen, um, and, and just be a catalyst more than anything else that will, that will just benefit the Phillies. He doesn't need to be a superstar. He can be. Go right ahead, Trey. You want to be a superstar, be a superstar. But I think that he, as long as he's just a catalyst at the top of the lineup and and creating havoc when he's on base, I'm good with it at this point.
0: And I don't want to end on a sour note, but uh, it kind of got lost in here a little bit. Nick Castellanos this weekend was 1-for-16. He was 0-for-10 on Saturday. I mean, that's that's a tough day four um, for his
1: last 41 if yeah we actually have it
0: up here right now you go back to july 4th uh he came into july 4th hitting 316 uh and now he's down to 291 he's four for his last 41 16 strikeouts he's only walked one time in that time he has one extra base hit it was a homer sitting 098 119 on base percentage 290 ops um Hits into a double play yesterday in a, a situation against a lefty where he felt like maybe he was going to win the game essentially, and and he he rolls into that double play. I, I'm not going to sit here and say after two bad weeks that that we need to be overly concerned about Nick Castellanos, but it's it's not great at the moment. And do you have any additional thoughts on him?
1: I just think he needed. I think if there was anybody who needed a break, it was Nick. Yeah. I mean, he's played. Um, the only the only games he had missed up until yesterday were the two games he was sick in Oakland. Other than that, he's played every game of the season and almost every inning of every game of the season. Yeah, Schwarber and, right and
0: Turner, I believe, are the only two players that have appeared in more games than Castellanos this season. And yeah. I mean, they're, because they basically have been in every game,
1: right? And so, and and, and again, that was that was only because he got yeah. sick. Otherwise, he would have played those games in Oakland as well. Um, and I I've looked at the count, and you know, after Saturday, and I I had written it. Um, after the game Saturday night, and then, of course, it happened – because I wasn't sure if it was going to happen yesterday or the first game of the Brewers series. I didn't know how the, the Phillies were going to play it. But that having the off day, giving Nick two days off in a row – remember, he went to the All-Star game, yeah. so he had to fly all the way to Seattle, fly all the way back. So he didn't really have a, as, a break like everyone else did. Flew,
0: flew to Seattle from Miami. Yeah.
1: Nowhere. I mean, yeah. like,
0: people – People don't under, I don't, I think people discount the significance of that and the toll of that. And I'm not going to make excuses for him, but I love that they gave him the day off yesterday or yeah. tried to anyway. Yeah. Two days. Here's, here's an the other half of the break you didn't get. We'll see you Tuesday.
1: Yeah. And I, so I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't think this is something that's going to become chronic. I think Nick will, will get out of it, but yes, it has been a tough couple weeks for Nick. All right, you have a one last thing or do you I have do I do it? one real quick because I, I know I do we have to wrap it up. Um, so I don't know if you saw yesterday before the game, the the Padres um, recalled uh, this kid uh, uh, Matt Waldron. Okay? Matt Waldron is a knuckleball pitcher. <laughs> so Bob, I got to ask. I got to ask your opinion on this because I think I think I'm starting to see a little bit of a of a course correction just a little bit and I I don't want to say I don't want to go completely this way but looking around baseball I'm starting to see it a little bit are we starting to get back towards things that used to be more regular in baseball and what I mean by that is starting pitchers are are now going a little bit longer because they 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 figured it out I mean there was I forget who did the chart and I, I wanted to have this ready and I forgot to look it up but I did see somebody put out a chart that since Starting pitching innings have gone down and bullpen usage has gone up. That the 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 ERAs have matched and or like basically flatlined. Um, so that it's like, why are we doing this? So starting pitchers maybe use being used a little bit more. Maybe you don't have to have 13 pitchers who throw 97 miles per hour on your roster uh, anymore. Obviously, the stolen bases are up this year. That has more to do with the rule change that you can't hold runners like you used to be able to hold them. Um, and and the, you know the shifting has helped that I think a little bit. You don't have a guy right behind second base, you know, a little you know to even cut down even more on that on that time. But um, are, are we starting to go back a little bit now to things from things from the past, or at least being willing to try them again and not being stuck completely in the analytical world of baseball?
0: It's an interesting question. I don't know that we're there yet. Teams are still prioritizing velocity. You look at the draft this past draft. It's it's like hard. You're not you're not going to get drafted as a guy that's throwing 87 miles an hour and has pinpoint command it's just not where the game is right now but could we ultimately see that and are we starting to see some signals perhaps that that could indicate it maybe and i kind of equate it to what you see in the nfl you know it becomes a pass-oriented league and still certainly a pass-oriented league we're not we're not reverting back to the the 1980s here but teams will kind of use that to their advantage to say okay you have dime personnel on the field that you have one linebacker out there we're going to run the ball at you right like and you do kind of say like if everyone's throwing 97 everyone's throwing 98 what happens when we kind of you know zag on the zig so to speak you mm-hmm. know and and now we're going to throw a knuckleball at you. now we're going to throw a guy that that has a different look i think that there is probably some value in that and you might see some teams implement that and yeah, I, I think that there's probably something to that.
1: I mean, the Padres also had that lefty um Hill, right? Who came yeah. in who throws those frisbees, sidearm, almost submarine, uh yeah, left-handed. You know, but I mean, I'm saying yeah. like that's another kind of thing that that was kind of a lost art in baseball that all of a sudden you you got know, a couple more guys that are doing that, doing that, and then even the Phillies this weekend bunting a lot, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> sacrificing runners over and, and try. So like there's things that, you know, you start to see a little bit more of. I'm not saying that it's going to come back in full time and we're going to be reverted back to the 70s and 80s. Um, but I, I, I like the fact that teams are, are, are willing to, to take a step back and say, hey, maybe we were a little bit wrong about this. Maybe there is some value to these things every once in a while that's, that's not bad and it can add to the, add back to the sport. It makes me happy.
0: Uh, double one last thing. Worst umpiring I've seen behind the plate <laughs> from start to finish in a series ever. And if the Phillies would have lost that series, we probably would have led with this. Uh, I've never seen anything. I've seen bad games. I've never seen four bad games stacked on top of one another yeah. like we did this weekend. God awful. Worst career I've ever seen in my life.
1: Phil Cuzzy on Friday. Was a Friday? Or was it the first game? The yeah. first game Saturday. First game Saturday. He, I think his percentage, if they, they put the thing out, like he had... He had nine missed pitches in yeah. the ninth inning alone. It was horrible. <laughs> it was unbelievably bad. How do you how do you miss nine pitches in one inning? It's and I know. Look, it's hot out there. It's brutal. Eh, right? I don't want to hear that. Get but, but it right. No, well, no, but here's but here's the thing. It's, Bob, we've said this before. They have too much responsibility with the pitch clock. I know somebody else has to run the pitch clock. It cannot be the home plate umpire because it's causing this. This is a causation thing from from adding that. So anyway.
0: All right, well, uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon. Did I, did I get it right
1: there? Did I get it right? Yeah, yeah we're
0: back. That's the right one. Nice. So yeah, make sure that you're following no us on Twitter That's at uh, @Phillies, at Anne uh, at Bob underscore Wankel. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Friday, and we will talk to you soon.